and welcome to Space Chats. This week I'm talking to Julian Felice about his play The Blue Whale. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. It's good to it's good to be to be on. I mean, I've, I've listened to quite a few of the of the Space Chats before, so it's just uh, it's nice to be on the other side of it. Very good. Glad you've done lots of preparation. <laughs> First of all, I'm going to ask, having said that you've listened to lots of the Space Chats, we're doing a slightly different format, so I hope you didn't prepare too much, because the first thing I'm going to ask is slightly different. I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself and how you see yourself as a writer, director, theatre maker, if that's a term you use. So yeah, I'm I'm Julian Felice, and by profession, I am a, a drama teacher. That's um, what I actually do. But obviously, the advantage of that is that it puts you in contact with lots of um very talented young people and gives you the opportunity to do some of the work that you enjoy doing as a theatre maker. So I, I work as a, as a director, as a workshop leader, as an actor as well. I've done, I've done some work as an actor, but primarily I'm, um, I'm a writer. And again, one of the advantages I have is that I can write a play and I've got the resources to be able to, to work on that play. So I've always got plenty of young, young actors available and spaces available where we can actually put on our, our plays, which is a huge uh, advantage benefit for me. I think, uh, well, a few years ago, I kind of made the decision to start maybe taking my writing a bit further afield. So rather than just working here uh, in Gibraltar, where I'm based, I started looking at, at taking my work to the UK, particularly in London. And I, I, I worked with a number of different companies. And I suppose that um, the word that's used to describe where I am is uh, an emerging playwright but you know being described as emerging at the age of 42 when you're already kind of almost halfway through a career that you already have seems seems a bit unusual but you know it's 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 not it's not something I object to yes I think I mean this all came from the arts council didn't it that we had to be either aspiring emerging or established and it's yes it's something which we've all kind of fallen into this habit of using it's become our part of theatre language and yes, I don't know. I mean, the idea of, of emerging, you've, as you say, you've, you've emerged, you're just now uh, focusing maybe more on your writing than on other, other areas. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. I mean, I, I, was, I was very fortunate in that my, my first few playwriting efforts were, were relatively successful. So one of, the, one of the first plays that I wrote and staged here in Gibraltar then subsequently got published in the US uh, and it won a couple of festivals as well. And, you know, it's great to have that success early on, but when you have success early, it becomes it becomes one of these things that, you, you know, you need to prove that it wasn't a fluke. So you don't want to, you know, you're not happy with it happening once, you want to do it twice, and then you're still not happy with it twice, and you keep going. So it was very encouraging, obviously, that I had that very early on, because that's that kind of encouraged me to keep going. But but yeah, so at, at this stage, I, I focus more on on, you know, my writing. In fact, I've completely changed the way that I write, because... Uh, initially, I used to write for for my drama group, um, which is a, 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 a student drama group. So I have plenty of actors available. So a lot of my my plays up until the last couple of years have always had very, very large casts and a very flexible ensemble roles. So I can do it with 20 or I can do it with 12, depending on the resources that are available to me. But obviously, that is not always very appealing to companies in the UK because there's more actors that, that they've got to pay. So one of the things that I got advised when I started um, working with, with companies in the UK was to try and streamline my work a little bit, have fewer, uh, smaller casts. And so so that's what I've been focusing more in the last few years, which, I, which, which isn't the best thing for 
my purposes here at home, where I still need to put on plays with with large casts for my my drama group. But obviously, it kind of it's it's more it's more suitable for the work that I want to do uh, internationally. So Blue Whale only has three roles, and it's very very unusual for me to to write a a full length play with such a small number of roles. That's interesting. So, do you enjoy writing prompted by necessity in that way of going? okay, this play needs to be for these people, for this amount of people. Do you find that helpful or is that something which you sort of desperately want to, to break away from? Yeah, that, that's that's certainly been the case throughout all the time that I've been writing. In fact, the very, very first kind of play that I wrote for those kind of purposes was precisely because as a drama group, we were taking part in a drama festival and I had a big group of kids and I already had one play, but I only had about six or seven roles and I still had you know, maybe about 20 other kids to cater for. So I needed a second play. And when you're based quite far away from the UK, by the time you've found a play online, because we don't have any bookshops here, certainly no theatre bookshops here. So by the time you've found a play online uh, and you've ordered it and you've read it and then you've realised that it's not actually suitable for your purposes, you know, a few weeks have gone by and we simply didn't have that kind of time. So in all honesty, it was easier for me to write a play rather than to find one. So I wrote a play called Mary Jane of Whitechapel, which is based on on, um, Jack the Ripper, because I was reading a book about Jack the Ripper at the time. So certainly a lot lot of my plays have been fueled by the necessity of having a fairly large um, but flexible cast to to stage. Uh, And it's only more recently that I've kind of changed my, my way of working and tried to be more specifically about the idea that I have in my head and not perhaps think so much about where that idea is going to end up Whereas previously, it all had a a very specific purpose, which was to stage the play at a drama festival with a big group of of, of young people. And that maybe kind of worked against me. So I've had to kind of change my way of working a little bit. I'm just going to throw in for for context, because I realise I didn't mention this at the start. Uh, You're based in Gibraltar. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Yes. yes. Sorry, should have have mentioned that at the start. (laughs) And I believe the first playwright from Gibraltar to be published internationally is that that is, is correct. That correct. Yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, yes. we we have um we we have a very healthy cultural scene in Gibraltar. You know, various reasons for that, but you know, in terms of of dance and music and and theatre as well. What we didn't really have previously was was um a very strong kind of playwriting angle, and a lot of the plays that were written by Gibraltarians were very much about Gibraltarian agendas, you know, or or or, or, or Gibraltarian kind of issues so so a lot of it was very local and whereas i i've never tried to do that i mean i have written some plays that are very specifically about gibraltarian concerns but i've tried to move away from that and i think that's worked in in my favor so obviously that kind of helped me to get some work published in the us so i've had four plays published uh, in in the us and it's also helped me with the work that i've done with uh, groups in the uk now Funnily enough, lockdown, as, as dreadful a, a, an impact as, as, as lockdown had in, in to the theatre industry, it was actually quite helpful for me um, because it suddenly made me, made me I, I could access the UK theatre world just as much as anyone who was actually physically based in the UK could because um, a lot of work was done online. And that's just prompted a lot of companies, particularly the space, I've got to say, the space has been very, very good at this to make work accessible online, but then to continue doing that as we've emerged out of lockdown. So suddenly I had this, this world a lot more accessible to me than it had been before. And so, so um, those, those, those years 
um, from just before lockdown and all the way through lockdown and afterwards have actually been extremely um, useful for me because it's, it's in that period that I've been able to make the connections and the contacts that I've been able to make and, and work with, you know, with, with companies as a result of that. I'm just going to hop back a, a few paces to what you were saying about necessity and who you were writing the plays mm-hmm. for, as well as the practicalities of that. Do you find that you were writing more about topics which would suit the actors you were you were working with, the, the younger actors perhaps, or where did the subject matter come into all of that? Um- no, the subject matter never really was never really a factor in terms of of the, the the young people I was working with. A lot of my plays are not actually specifically for young people. I mean, they were written for young people to be performed, to perform them. Sorry, but they uh, they could e- just as easily be performed by adults. In fact, a lot of them are, are quite adult plays, and um, they, they don't necessarily treat issues to do with young people. And so, so that that would be quite obvious whenever we took part in festivals, for example, that we'd have. We'd have students playing quite adult roles, really, you know, that were certainly not playing characters their age. And I think what helped was the fact that my actors were always very adaptable, very flexible. They were very happy to work in those conditions. And, and they're also they're also quite interested in, in, in these issues. You know, they, they, they've had a, a whole school career of looking at issues like bullying and, and I mean, important issues, obviously, um, but they were quite excited about looking at, at other issues. And, and I'm quite glad that a lot of my plays could be performed by adults just as easily as, as, as we perform them and with students. So no, the subject matter was not, was not so much an issue as it was, for example, the, the, the number of people I could fit in the story. That was, in all honesty, the main factor is how many people, could, how many of my kids could I use in these plays that I was writing? And a lot of the time, um, so, so for example, I might have quite a big ensemble, uh, which could be done with 12 actors or could have been done with six. It just didn't really matter. It just depended on what I had to work with at that particular moment in time. But I like the fact that the kids were quite willing to explore issues which were relevant to me and which, 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 you know, which I was interested in and not necessarily um, specifically for them. So The Blue Whale is a play about a relationship, if that's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Is that your usual area that you explore in your plays? Or are there, or what's your go-to, or maybe you don't have a go-to thing that you want to write about or need to write about? I started off, well, my, my first few plays were all uh, almost like verbatim kind of in their style, almost documentary theatre as well. So they were, they were very much um, based on, on historical events, let's say. Uh, so there was a bit of a safety there and I didn't have to come up with the story. The story was already there. What I had to do was all the research to kind of make sure that the, the, the I, w- I knew the story um, very well. And then within those stories, I try and, and I find some relationships which I think could work well on stage. Now, they weren't necessarily uh, true to the historical accuracy, let's say, but I think that that was an important thing to explore is, is to look at which relationships within those historical stories can actually go on to create some some tension between them, some conflict between them. Now, when, when you are talking about a, a, a big cast, um, it can be quite difficult to focus on, to develop relationships. And I think that's one of the things that I found in The Blue Whale was with only three characters, there was more opportunity to fully exploit um, the relationship between them. And, and, and in fact, the play is very much about almost like three three different relationships, really. Mainly the relationship between Lewis and the girl he meets online and Lewis and his best friend, Carl. But also, weirdly, a relationship also develops between Carl and the girl that Lewis has met online, even though they've never met each other. But they both have certain views about each other. 
So, you know, even though they're never physically in the same room together, we know what we think of each other. And we know that there's conflict between the two of them and because of how, how they see the other person's relationship with Lewis. And, and it was quite good to get the opportunity to look at, you know, developing those relationships perhaps a bit more thoroughly than you can do when you've got maybe like 25 characters on stage. Do you want to say a little bit more about The Blue Whale now, just as we're getting there? How long has this been in development for you before it came to the space? Sure. So it's, I mean, it's, it's hard to say exactly how long it's been in development for, but The Blue Whale weirdly started off as just a scene. So the opening scene of the play is one that I wrote with no no clear purpose in mind. It was just a, a scenario that came to my head and I just sat down and wrote it. And the scene just kind of sat there for a while. I'd not really thought carefully about what I was going to do with that particular scene. It wasn't part of a, of a bigger story. And then I, quite by chance, I came across a, a news article about the Blue Whale phenomenon, which is this um, uh, this thing that's been happening online where young people are meeting each other online and setting each other tasks. And unfortunately, some of these challenges have had quite tragic outcomes and, and it's led to, to suicide pacts. It's led to all sorts of, of very, you know, very, very unpleasant and, and very sad events. And so when I read that article, it reminded me of, of that scene I had written. And, and so that then became the story that then that, that scene uh, became the opening scene of this story that leads to this series of online challenges. So I wrote I wrote the play, and then I originally was not intended for me to work on with my with my young students. My the, the intention of the play was purely to push it in the in the UK somehow. But I, I had an opportunity to to stage it with three of my senior students, and and I thought you know I've, I've got this play uh, waiting and uh, I could use my with these three actors. So we. We started rehearsing it. We worked on it for the Gibraltar Drama Festival. And then we took it to a festival in the UK, in, in a festival in, in Rochester in Kent. And then by that time, I thought, you know, uh, this is the play that I could possibly look at pushing in, in the UK a bit more. And so that's the one I decided to, to put forward to take it to the space. But this time they're working on it with three other actors, three adults. They are former students of mine, but they've all, you know, done their actor training. They're, they're older and more experienced. And, and so, the, you know, the, the play has been through various stages of, of development. But, you know, it, it's, it's now in a... In a it's strange because this is actually the, the third production of it. By the time it gets to the space, it would have been performed at the Gibraltar Festival, at the festival in the UK, and then, of course, our performance next February at the space. And it's not usual for me to to spend that kind of amount of time on, on one play. Usually, by the time we, we finish performing it in, in, you know, with our students, that's it. It kind of plays, is is, is put away and, and, and maybe... Uh, remembered about a few years later, but but um, it's it's good to just go back to it with a different cast and 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 try things out in a different way. I think say that's interesting. So, do you like this longer process? Is it giving you the luxury of of some rewrites, or are, are you thinking, oh no, I'm, I'm overthinking this now? <laughs> I've, I've seen it too many times. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's a mixture of that. I think uh, the, the the play has been through you know quite um, extensive periods of rewriting, and obviously benefited from the fact that it's been staged twice before. So it changed when we did it here at home. It was it was, it was um, redrafted a little bit after we did it here at home, and then it was revised again after we did it in Kent and it's kind of been evolving. What, what I'm enjoying and this time round is just a little bit more time. When we perform it here, you know, the, the, the actors are younger, they take a little bit longer to get to get into it and the, the drama festival comes upon us very, very quickly and suddenly we're kind of a bit pressed for time. This time round, we've started rehearsing 
quite early for us. I mean, we started rehearsing the plays not until February and, and we started rehearsing this um, at the beginning of October. But by rehearsing, though, I mean that we're having the opportunity to have quite long conversations about issues that are cropping up, little discussions that we can actually have as a cast was usually I don't get that opportunity with students. So the students, um, it's very much, you know, very much uh, led by myself as a director, telling them what to do, telling them what to stand, telling them how to say things, et cetera, then refining it as we go along. But now that I'm working with older actors who are more experienced it, and we've got a little bit more time, it's nice to, to have the opportunity to just um, sit and chat about what they think their characters are about. I have to ask, I mean, these are so these are all actors for the Blue Whale who you've taught and you've you've known at quite formative years, presumably. Mm. How is that? How is that working with them now that they've gone away, developed in presumably ways you maybe wouldn't have expected, maybe ways you had did expect? It's it's great. It's great because I mean the 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 two guys, Chris and Sam. So I I work in a school that used to be a a, a boys' school, and um, it's not anymore. It's now mixed. But um, but so Sam and Chris came to my school. They came to me at year eight. So the, you know I first met them when they were twelve years old. They're now in the mid twenties. I've seen these two grow and develop and become more mature as actors as well as 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 people and. You know, it's, it's 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 great to see that they they're very used to my way of working, and I'm very used now to their strengths and their weaknesses. And I think that they're quite enjoying the opportunity to to maybe take a little bit more ownership over things. They you know they they are, feel a bit more free to share their thoughts with with me about about um you know what they think the characters are like, what the play's about. And Natalie, I mean, I taught her as well. Um, I taught her when she was a little bit older, when she was in, in sick form, but she was part of my drama group from a younger age. So I know, I know these guys very well, and they've definitely developed and evolved a lot. I think their experience in the UK was very useful to them because they had a chance to work with, with I mean, just a different teacher for a start. I mean, that's, that's always beneficial uh, and different experiences as well. And I'm really quite enjoying the kind of level of conversations that we're having at the moment. You know, it's, it's, it's quite unusual for me to be in a rehearsal room with young people who have such a, a strong insight in, into what we're doing, but who also really, you know, very sensitive to that they really understand what it is that I want to achieve as well. They know me very well. You know, we work, we work very well together in that respect. We've mostly talked about you as a, as a writer, but as a director, do you enjoy directing your own work more than the work of other people? Or do you find that it's hard to extricate yourself as the writer when you're looking at your work? Or how do you find that? Um, no, I, I do enjoy directing uh, my own work. And I think it's because whenever I, I've written anything, I've always known that that was going to be the case, that, that I was going to end up directing the play. So what it does for me is it gives me a, a really good creative control almost of my piece of work. What has been very interesting for me, though, has been watching other people direct my work, which is something that's happened more recently in the last few years, particularly with the companies that I've worked with in the UK. It's It's been quite an eye-opening experience to see how other people uh, approach my work. I like it, though, because it gives me a chance to fully realise the vision that I have in my head um, as a writer. So as a director, I know that I can, I can realise that vision. But I think it's also quite interesting when other people have a different vision, which isn't necessarily better or worse, but certainly very interesting um, for, for me. But yeah, I, I, I quite enjoy directing my, my own work. But that's, I think, because I've never really done anything else and I've never done it otherwise. 
I suppose in a way it's an interesting thin line between teaching and directing in lots of ways. How do you find that? Do you obviously primarily you are a teacher in in your day-to-day life and the two maybe the two can't be divided in your mind I don't know. It's very hard to divide them because of the context. I mean we most of the students in my drama group are also my students in school. So yeah. they know me primarily as their teacher and also as a director, workshop leader, whatever. Also, our our rehearsals take place in my drama studio, my classroom. So it's very hard to separate those roles. And I think I direct very differently with students than I do when I, whenever I work with adults, which isn't that often, but it does happen. You know, I think I'm a little bit more, more hands-on, a little bit more... Um, I would like to maybe give them a little bit more creative freedom, perhaps, um, as a director. But I think that because they see me as a teacher, they find it very difficult to to feel that they have that freedom. I think they they are relying on me to kind of, you know, tell them how to do things because that's what we do kind of largely in the classroom. So it's it's very difficult, I think, to separate both. I think they complement each other quite well. And I think it works relatively nicely as well. But um uh, it does. It does sometimes have its its challenges. Do you still act? Sorry, I I know you acted previously. Are there other elements to your theatre practice, or do you see yourself primarily as a writer director? I do act as well, and in fact, mm-hmm. out of the three, it is what I enjoy the most. Um, acting is what I enjoy the most, followed by writing and followed by directing. Because directing in a in an amateur context inevitably means that you're not just a director. You're also taking on a lot of the producer tasks as well. You know, you're, you're, you're handling so many other things other than just what's happening on stage. Whereas with acting, I, I, you know, I just enjoy just being told where to stand and what to say. And, and it's certainly, so I'm, I'm currently rehearsing for a production of um, We Will Rock You in December, which is why my, my, my beard looks longer than it normally is because I'm growing it for the, for the show. And it's very refreshing to just go to a rehearsal room and just be told, you know, stand there. This is what you do. This is what you say and, and have less responsibility. It's certainly what I enjoy doing the most, but probably actually I would say is what I am less successful at, I think. So a final question just before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. What was your first ever theatrical experience that you can remember as, as a presumably a small child or maybe, maybe yes. older? Yeah, I mean, my my first experience that I remember was in the very early years of primary school. It was a school play. It was a school play called Mr. Crosspatcher's Garden, which was about a, a grumpy old man that had a very, very messy back garden. And uh, some kids go and help him to uh, tidy it up, I guess. And he he kind of learns, you know, he has a kind of life changing experience through that, I think. I played a rat. I played a, a one of the rats in his garden. And my cue was look at those big rats, and then me and a couple of others would run on stage to kind of sniff the air and, and that kind of thing. And that was my, my first experience um, that I can remember. Outside school, you know, it, it didn't take, it took until I got into sixth form that I started doing drama outside school. Um, but that was certainly the first thing that I remember doing. Very impressive. You can remember your cue line. This is <laughs> true professionalism. Uh, <laughs> so thank you very much for talking. No worries today. at all. So, yes, The Blue Whale is going to be on at the space from the 23rd to the 25th of February, mm-hmm. so next year. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have Not a good day. Thank you for having me. You too. Bye. Take care. Bye.